Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. Wayne was uh, preaching about grace uh, this past week. And if you haven't, uh, if you didn't watch that live or you haven't had the chance, I think you can go back and find that now and go back and maybe watch it again. But I'd been uh, lately reading and, and doing a little bit of study about Noah. And one of the uh, uh, earliest examples probably of stories that we heard when we uh, were little kids, maybe in Sunday school or Bible school, one of the earliest, uh, or one of the first things probably that we're exposed to is the story about Noah, and, and we always think about the, the animals and, and the rain and the flood and uh, everything that goes along with that story. But there's a couple of great examples of grace that we can find in, in looking at the exchange between God and Noah, it's, it's very common, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What, what Wayne was talking about, it kind of sparked some thoughts in my mind about grace. Now, uh, before I get into that, I want to make sure and, and read a couple scriptures from the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We know that our salvation is not uh, because we can work and because we can do things to be able to earn that. We know that our salvation comes through the grace of Jesus Christ, that he would die for us, that he would provide a way for us uh, to have a, a reconciliation with the Father. But I think in our, in our lives, the grace that God gives us, the way I don't think that we can show God anything, that we are not able to prove ourselves to him because he knows our heart, but I think that what I can show through my faith back to the Lord is in, in believing in him, that I can show my brothers and sisters uh, the relationship that I have with them through my works. I know that my salvation is not dependent upon how much I can do for God, but Brother Eric, for what he's already done for me, that I am saved by grace through faith. James chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Those are some common scriptures I know that we read and we, we hear those a lot, but I wonder, do we actually let those things sink into our heart and do we let them take root and build on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Not that we would put any faith in the things that I am able to do, but maybe through uh, something that the Lord calls me to do or something that the Lord has me to speak a word to someone else, a word of hope, a word of love, maybe an act of kindness to that person and through that works, or through those works, the works of the church, 
that someone might be able to say, hey, there's something different about them. There's something different, and they're always talking about this Jesus. I want to see what it is. I get a little taste of that through them, but I want to experience that through myself. So I feel like this grace and this faith and the works that we have as Christians all kind of meld together and go hand in hand. We look at this exchange uh, uh, between Noah and between God and the instructions that, have give, that he gives him, and it's probably things that we can quote. We've read them hundreds of times. But in Genesis chapter 6, if you have a Bible there with you and you want to open it up, we're going to start there, and we're going to read, and we'll be moving around a little bit uh, throughout chapter 6, 7, and then a little bit on 8. But uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It begins by saying, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. If we pause right there for just a minute and we think about the things that are going on in our world today, if we step back from the global pandemic and we, and we look at other things that are going on, there's still unrest in our country about the election. And, and tonight, I believe that those things are under God's power, things that happen that we don't have any control over, He allows to happen but if we look at the world, we can see truly, Dennis, that there's a lot of wickedness in men. So that's nothing new. Going back however many hundreds or thousands of years that it was, back to the time of Noah, and God saw the wickedness, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And this is something that's always stuck in my spirit, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I think about some rough people maybe that I interact with, and it makes me wonder, is every thought of their heart evil continually? That's some pretty rough stuff. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. If we stop right there and we don't go any farther, that can paint a very grim picture. If we only look and we only see what's going on around the world and without Jesus Christ and not having any hope, it would be easy for us to get depressed, Jake. It would be easy for us to want to run home and jump in our bed and cover our heads up with our quilt and never get out again. It would be easy, Eric, to get that away for us. But I want you to read that next verse with me. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Heavenly Father, tonight, Lord, we are thankful that God, even when we look around this world and we can see evil, we can see wickedness, we can see uh, sin that exists, we, we, we see these things tonight, God, but it gives us hope and it gives us joy within our spirit to be able to think that we can find grace in your eyes. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, tonight. As it's been said recently from this exact spot, from this pulpit, from the mouths of your people about the grace that you have extended to us and the goodness that you give us. And God, you are so, so good. You're exactly what we need when we need it. Lord, just like that you extended this grace to Noah, you extend that same grace to us tonight. God, if there's somebody that's tuned in 
maybe in another country, maybe in another state, maybe they're across the street from where we stand right now, dear God. We believe, God, that you can reach them. And, Lord, that you have a desire to reach them. So we thank you for that grace that we have and that love that is through the name of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So if you think about this grace that Noah found in the eyes of the Lord, and tonight, if just for a second, if you can block, if you can block out everybody else, and just for a minute, I want you to replace the name Noah with your name. But Stephen found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Jake found, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Just for a minute, I want you to not think about anybody else, and I want, to, I want you to think about a time that beyond the shadow of a doubt, you know that God extended grace to you, and you were filled with joy. Maybe it was a time of darkness. Maybe it was the, the loss of a loved one or a job. Maybe it was the, a broken relationship. Maybe somebody that you had placed trust in had broken your heart, and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt in your mind that God rained down his blessing upon you, and he shined that grace down upon you, and you know that it had to be a God thing. But Stephen found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There's, there's three or four back here on the computer. But Braden found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Tonight, just speak that to yourself. And if you feel a darkness, if you feel a depression, I want you to go back in your mind to one of those times when you know that God was showing his grace to you and you were able to see light in a place of darkness. If you go back into your mind, and I think God sometimes almost gives us checkpoints in our life. He gives us milestones that maybe we don't have to go all the way back to the first time that we were saved to be able to feel close to him. But I can go back to a time maybe a couple of weeks ago when I know that God was right there with me. Maybe I feel like that I have stepped away from him a little bit now. Maybe I feel like um, sometimes it's almost as, as if God has moved away from me. Well, the thing is, God hasn't moved. I'm the one that's moved. But I can go back to that time when I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God shined his grace upon me. So I question myself, why would I ever doubt? Why would I ever fear? Why would I ever have anxiety about things when I know that my future is solidified in Jesus Christ? Because there are times that I can tell you above anything else that the world can offer me, above anything else that any person can offer me, any relationship that I have that they can offer me, there is a time when I knew that it came straight from God. And Brother Eric, that was a time when it was exactly enough. There are times whenever we probably all went to the table to eat and maybe it was a big crowd and we went back for seconds for something and there wasn't, a, there wasn't any left. Maybe a piece of pie and the pie was gone. And you think, man, I'd like to have another piece of that. There's always another piece of Jesus for us to go back to and to grab hold of him. And through that grace that he extends us, do we deserve that? I know that I don't. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I know that there's times when I choose to say the wrong thing, when I gossip, uh, when I speak ill will toward people and I'm aggravated about something, and yet God still loves me so much that he would show me this exact same grace, maybe in a different way that he showed Noah. The same God that had that grace to Noah is the same God today that can shine that grace down upon us, that we can experience a connection with him.
But Eric found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So if you're feeling down tonight, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling downtrodden tonight, I want to be able to speak hope into your life, not because it's the words that I can speak to you, but that through the Holy Spirit you can know that you can have fellowship with him and that he is sufficient. So many times in my life that, that I'll think about that verse, that my grace is sufficient. I told Jake before service tonight, it's a common scripture, and I don't know exactly the address to it, but it's a common scripture, but it hit my spirit a couple of weeks ago, thinking about things and worrying about things and, and just stuff that's going on in our life. We're all busy. We've all got responsibilities. People in our family are sick. We have friends that are sick and in the hospital, and, I, and I'm just a little bit anxious about some things, and this verse comes rushing into my spirit like it had never came before, and that verse was, lean not upon your own understanding. It was as if for that, one, for that one split second that God was focused down upon me among 7, million pe 7 billion people in the world. And he was looking down upon me and he was saying, Stephen, at this time, I don't want you to lean upon your own understanding anymore. I want you to lean and I want you to trust on me. We'll find in a little bit about how some of the things that Noah did and some of the works that Noah did and we all know the story about him building the ark and, and how that all shook out but it's amazing to me that before we learn anything about the works of Noah about him building the ark about him gathering the animals about him taking his family in before any of those things and any of the the mention of any of his works grace is present first so for those of you maybe tonight that are thinking, what can I do to be able to earn God's love? What can I do to be able to earn salvation? What can I do to be able to earn the favor of God? I want to speak to you tonight. I want to speak very clearly is that God already has that grace just for you. That God is already extending that hope. That Jesus has already done what is required for you to be saved that he died upon that, upon that cross, and thanks be to God that he arose, that he beat death, that he beat hell, that he beat sin, and you too can experience. I've always thought it's interesting when people say, well, I've got to get my life in order before I go to church. And I'm sure it's just an excuse maybe that the enemy uses, and, and they've got things flipped backwards. Well, I've got to get some things out of my life and some things cured up before I develop a relationship with God. I want to speak to you tonight that if you will turn to him. One of the, one of the coolest examples that he showed me, when the prodigal son found himself out in the fields feeding the swine, it said he came to himself, and, and, he, and, and paraphrasing, he said, there are people in my father's house that are servants that have enough to eat, and here I am wishing I could eat basically this slop with the, with the hogs, what, what words I would say. So he goes back to his father, and it says his father sees him a ways off, and he runs up to him, and he wraps his arms around him, and he kisses his neck. And it dawned on me sometime that if he had been with hogs, no doubt the prodigal son probably stank. I was raised on a dairy farm, and cows don't stink to me, but pigs stink. So if the prodigal son had been living amongst the swine, I believe that he probably stank, stank, but the father still reached out, and he loved him, even maybe in his own stinky state, if you will. 
So tonight, if you're in one of those states where you feel dirty, where you feel stinky, turn toward God because he's got this grace for you. I haven't done enough to be able to deserve it. No, you haven't. I can't do enough to be able to deserve it. But through this grace, I can have hope in Jesus Christ. That through this grace, I can have an assurity that no matter what happens tomorrow, no matter who gets sick, no matter what sickness comes upon me, no matter what, uh, uh, what man tries to force down upon me, through the grace of God, I can know that I am free. And with Christ, I can be free indeed. So if we move on to this exchange between God and Noah, so he tells him how to build, how he wants him to build this ark. Go, go with me down to verse number 14. And that says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. It goes on to talk about the, the, the length and the height and the breadth of the boat that he wants him to build. And I can imagine that as God is speaking to Noah, and God doesn't speak out loud to my ears, he speaks to my heart. But I can imagine if I'm in the place of Noah, and sometimes I do that, I put myself in the place of the character, and I'm hearing God speak to me, and he's telling me, okay, I'm going to flood the water, or I'm going to flood the earth with water. Okay. And Noah, I want you to build a big boat. And I can imagine if this is me, I'd be like, you want me to do what? You want me to build this boat that's basically, I think it comes out to about 300 feet long maybe? You want me to do what, God? And then I, I hear the Lord speak tonight as he speaks to us even in our own lives today and he says, I want you to go and I want you to talk to that person. And maybe we, we say in our mind, God, you want me to do what? You want me to give and you want me to write a check of the hard-earned money that I have? And you want me to put it in the offering plate? You want me to go and to buy food and give it to somebody that's hungry? God, you want me to do what? <coughs> and a couple days ago, I wrote this down. Don't doubt the ending because you don't understand it from the beginning. Don't doubt the ending because you can't fit all the pieces together. I've told you all before that I love jigsaw puzzles and I love how uh, you can paint or you can uh, uh, make a great picture when all the pieces fit together and how it works when they, when they are intertwined and you see this picture. God speaks to me through things like this. And when, I, when I'm able to sit down and pour all the pieces out from the beginning, I can look at the box, but I'm not exactly sure what it's going to look like because the size is different. But does that keep me from working to fit those pieces together? No, because I know the end result is going to be a beautiful picture. And today if God is speaking to you and he's telling you from the beginning, I want you to go out and I want you to fulfill this ministry, I want you to do this or I want you to do that, don't give up because you don't understand from the beginning. Hold on to his hand <coughs> and trust him through the ending. A common phrase that will say that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. We can look at David whenever he slew Goliath. I can imagine that he was a, a little runt. <clears throat> but yet he 
slew a man that was, what, nine feet tall? I think we used that example the other day that this is about three feet from the floor up to this, and if, and if I'm standing here, it'd be roughly nine feet, eight inches or so, and that a little runt could win versus this, is, uh, versus this man because David found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Maybe tonight you are saying, God, you want me to do what? This seems insurmountable. This seems like that you're calling me to do too much, God. How, how can I do it? But we don't find any, any recollection here that Noah questioned these things. If you go down to verse number 22, it says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So God calls Noah and he says, I want you to build this boat and I want you to gather all these animals and I want you to take your sons and I want you to take their wives and I want you to put everybody in there and I'm going to shut the door up behind you. And I'm thinking, if this is me, God, what are you doing? And maybe today I see the way that God works and the way that he speaks to people and the way that he reveals himself in people's lives. And maybe sometimes we say, God, what are you doing? God, why would you allow us to brick up the doors of this church and then you call us to cut a big hole in it? God, what are you doing? But I'm learning I came to faith and was, and was born again at a relatively early age and and I've been in church most of my life, but it's, or, or actually all of my life. But yet, just in the last couple of weeks, the Spirit speaks to me and he says, Stephen, don't try to understand it all yourself. Don't lean on your own understanding. Yeah, I've got something coming that's going to be uh, devastating to the people, but, it, but you as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to hold on and I want you to stay true. Yeah, I'm not going to let you see the ending whenever you're beginning, but I want you to trust in me and I want you to close your eyes of, uh, uh, of doubt and I want you to hold on to my hand of faith and I want you to follow to where I'm leading you. Maybe God is calling you tonight to some sort of ministry. Maybe God is calling you to a mission field and, and we automatically always think about a, a, a desert over in Africa, but maybe God is calling you to a mission field across the street from you. Maybe God is calling you to a mission field of your family, and that's tough to be able to speak to them. Maybe to tell them that out of love that they're wrong. But Noah did, according to all that God commanded me, or commanded him, so he did. So I wonder tonight, are you filled with doubt? Are you filled with fear? Are you filled with anxiety? Again, I want you to go back to a time when you know that God was speaking to you and you know that you saw his grace and that he was, uh, he was raining his blessings down upon you. And I want you to set that fear aside and I want you to hold on to the love of Jesus Christ because his hand will never leave us. His back will never be turned upon us. He speaks to Noah in verse number 18 of chapter 6 here he says but with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into, ar into the ark thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons wives with thee thinking about that word covenant that it takes it a step farther that I have friendships with friends of mine that uh, that seem to be unbreakable man I've got some people I can go a couple of years without seeing them some guys from college 
that I might go a while without seeing them, and then whenever we meet up with each other, it's like we were never apart. There's a, there's a, ba- a bind uh, that has uh, brought us together and a tie that we have in common, but that's a friendship. I think about a covenant with my wife. I had those roommates in college where we lived in the same place, but with my wife, I abide. That I can have, a, uh, that I can do a transaction or I can have an agreement with somebody, and maybe that agreement is binding, but with God, a covenant takes it a step farther. God is speaking to you tonight, and He's going to say, But with you will I establish my covenant. I've already given you the grace. I've already given you all the skills that you are going to need to fulfill whatever it is that God is calling you to do. And I'm going to establish a covenant with you that says I'm not going to leave you and I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to establish a covenant with you that you don't have to worry about what the world can do to you. You don't have to worry about the ones that can take your life because your soul rests in his nail-scarred hands. That God would not only make an an agreement with us, we probably all at times either broken a promise to somebody or, or we've had them break a promise to us. But the one that will never break our promise, the one that will never break this covenant, that when he says, I'm going to tend to you, when he says, I'm going to take care of you, when he says, I'm going to pour out my grace upon you, you can hold on to that and you can take that and you can believe that. That even though there's a big storm coming, even though we're not able to fit all this together, even though we're not able to understand this, and maybe we're looking ahead and we see 40 days and 40 nights of rain, we see 40 days and 40 nights of darkness, we see 40 days and 40 nights of separation from our friends and family, God is still calling out to you tonight and he's saying, come unto me all ye that labor and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So God calls Noah and he gives him this job to do and he says, I want you to build an ark. And it's interesting that one of of the main purposes of the ark was to protect Noah. The the, The Spirit just dropped that into my mind. But that he was calling him to build this boat and it was going to be for his own good, for his own protection. God, I don't understand what you're doing in my life. Why are you separating me from this person that I thought was my friend? Maybe because God is protecting you. Maybe because God is creating a provision for you. I'm not able to see the end, God. God says, just trust me. God says, just believe in my grace. God says, just continue to hold on to my unchanging hand. And Noah did, again in verse number, verse 22, thus did Noah according to all that God had commanded him. So he says, I'm going to cause it to rain. So what does it do in verse number 18? And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. Uh, Verse 18 of chapter 7, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. I don't know why it's so surprising, but when God establishes a covenant with us, or God establishes a promise with us, and he shows us something, how something is going to work out, why are we surprised when it works out the way God said it would? Oh, well, God did what he said he was going to do. God held up his end of the bargain. Now how are we going to hold up our end of the bargain? God says if we will trust in him, 
and, and I don't want to beat you up over finances tonight, but, but if we will trust in him and we will give a portion of what he, has, what he has allowed us to have, if we will give a portion, then that 90% is going to be enough to pay your bills. That 90% is going to be enough that you can have gas in your car, that you're going to be able to afford your insurance. And I wondered sometime, I thought, God, how can you work all that out? And he revealed some things that, that the way he can work, his ways are higher than my ways. He speaks to me kind of weird sometimes the way other people would look, but it makes sense. And it was almost as if God said, do you not think I can turn down the meter on your electric meter or slow down your electric meter and your light bill be less? Well, God, I guess you can. Do you not believe me whenever I say that, I'm, that I want you to trust me, that I can make your car get better gas mileage? Well, God, I guess you can. So if God is calling you to something, then he is going to bring you through that something. God, I don't know how you can fit all these pieces together that, that can make a picture, but I'm going to trust that I'm going to believe. God, I'm going to not worry about all these people that are laughing at me and poking fun at me that no doubt Noah endured this ridicule when people came by and they, and they poked fun of him. Look at what this crazy guy is doing. No doubt that there would be people that would drive by and that they would see the lights on and why are they still trying to have church whenever the, uh, the restriction have come? Why are they still trying uh, to draw people to the Lord? Can't they see that there's no use? I believe tonight that we would agree there's still a use. I believe that we would agree that the efforts of just a few, and, and, and if you haven't had the opportunity to thank the guys, I would be so lost back there in front of those computer screens and that camera and this microphone making sure the batteries are good. That, that, part, of, that part of this service would totally blow my mind, but God has called them for such a time as this. God, I don't understand how that all works. I don't understand how I can take my phone out and go to YouTube or Facebook Things that, that can be so evil, but God can use them for good. The dirty, filthy things that we hear and we see about, but yet God is using that as an effectual door to continue to get the word out. Why would we still have any, any hope that the word is still going to go out when I look around and there's only three or four or five or six people here tonight, but I can believe that there's hundreds watching online. I can believe that not just tonight, but that this word that's not coming from me, that is coming from him, someday it might touch someone that is living in darkness. So yeah, we as the church, maybe we can't gather together corporately, but we can still gather together in one mind and one accord and say, I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on doing what God calls me to do. Yeah, maybe he's building something that's going to protect me. Maybe he's building something that is going to shelter me from 40 days of rain and 40 nights of rain and a storm. And I can imagine that the ark was possibly beaten with waves and beaten with wind. And I can imagine that the tempest was strong, but yet God delivered. Tonight, I want to leave you with this one thought. <clears throat> if you look at just the first few words of chapter 8 of Genesis, That Noah had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, or God says, Noah, I want you to build this boat. So Noah does it. And God says, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. 
And it happens exactly the way that God says it's going to happen. It rains for 40 days. The whole face of the earth is covered. And it could seem hopeless. It could seem like whenever in the midst of those 40 days that those clouds were going to win. That the rain kept coming. And I know how it is after a couple days of rain and clouds. And it seemed like a couple weeks ago it was cloudy for about two weeks. And it's easy to get depressed. But then I would look out my window in my office and I would see some blue sky. And I would see the sun shining in. <clears throat> and God remembered Noah. Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. And it goes on to say some other things, but I want you to hold on to that one thing. And God remembered Noah. And God remembered Stephen. And God remembered Jake. And God remembered Larry and Kathy. And God remembered Heather and Eli and Hannah. And God remembered you fill in your name. And I want you to believe tonight beyond the shadow of any doubt. And maybe right now the enemy is, is blowing that wind against you. And he's saying, what's the use? It's just the same old story that you've heard since you were a kid and there's nothing new. Why, why would you even listen? We listen because God remembered Noah and he still remembers us today. That I know that I'm saved not because of my works, not because I stand to speak his word, not because I read his word, not because I pray, but because of Jesus Christ and my faith in him. And I know I've heard it quoted and spoken and I guess it's the best way that we can explain it that grace is unmerited favor. Something that we've done nothing to deserve. But God remembered Joe. And God remembered Tom. And God remembered Linda. And God remembered, and I, I can close my eyes right now and I can look over these empty seats, but I can still think about the faces and the souls of those that sit there. God remembered Jim and Christy and, and Steve and Sandy. God remembered Hannah and Jared. If I didn't mention your name tonight, I'm sorry. But God is remembering you. God is remembering you and he hasn't forgot you. And maybe there's going to be some more storms. I would, I would guarantee that there's, if the world continues to last, there's still going to be storms. There's still going to be maybe 40 more days of, of rain and 40 more days of night. And, and there's going to continue to be some darkness. But God will continue to remember you. That he'll continue to reveal himself to you. And if you are listening, maybe not with your ears, but with your heart, that he'll continue to speak to you. Wherever you are right now, whether you are in this 
uh, seat in the church or whether you're bowed at this altar or whether you're sitting in your chair or your recliner or wherever it is that you are right now. Maybe you're driving down the road and, and you're listening to this on the radio. I don't even know if we're on the radio right now. But God remembers you. And God loves you. And there's enough Jesus to go around. He doesn't run out. Tonight, dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you have created this way for us to continue to have church. No, it's not the conventional way that, that we typically go about it. And yes, dear Lord, we miss seeing our brothers and sisters in your name and we miss the opportunity to gather together and, and to fellowship. And, and we know, God, that maybe this will continue for a season. But, God, we have hope that your grace will bring us back together sometime. We have hope, dear God, that even though maybe we're going through a storm, that there are sunny days ahead. <clears throat> maybe, dear God, there are some of your people tonight that are living in darkness through fear or doubt, anxiety. God, I want you to speak to us all right now a message that you've not forgotten us. That Holy Spirit, as, as only you can, that you can soothe our anxiety and our nerves, and God, that you speak to us in only a way that, that can come directly from you, and then we can know that it's from you. That we can find grace in the eyes of the Lord. That we don't have to look at the wind and the waves and the rain, but that we can focus upon you and we can say, God, I don't understand what's happening, but I'm going to hold on to you. God, I don't understand why you want me to build this boat, but you told me to do it, so that's why I'm going to do it. God, I don't understand why it is that you, you want me to speak this word of love to somebody, God, this person that's so hard to love. I don't know why you're calling me to them, God, but I pray that you would give strength to that one to be able to speak that word. And God, we have that assurance tonight that you have not forgotten us. Just like Noah, even though maybe he felt deserted, maybe, maybe someone tonight feels deserted, but we can have a hope to know that you don't forget us. God, in, the, in a time of darkness, in a time of questions, we know, God, that you are the answer. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. And God, tonight, if there's someone that is watching even right now, God, and you're calling them into fellowship with you for the first time, that, Lord, they might be able to bow their heads and bow their hearts and, and confess their sin and, and confess their belief, Jesus Christ, in you, and that they can be born again right there in their living room. Lord, I try to figure it out, and I, under, I try to understand it all, but, God, you speak tonight and you say, lean not upon your own understanding. Lord Jesus, we praise you tonight for your goodness. We praise you, God, tonight that you have given us another chance to be in your, uh, in your presence with your people. We love you, God, tonight, and we thank you, and we have hope. 
because we know that you remember us and you haven't forgotten us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again tonight, we thank you for tuning in and, and, and watching along and continue to remember our church. Continue to remember those that might be battling this illness, those that are sick. He probably wouldn't want me to say this. Continue to remember our pastor. Wayne loves being around people, and no doubt this is as hard on him as it is on anybody. Remember those people that are providing care and maybe pick up the phone, call somebody, or text them. Let them know that you love them and Jesus loves them. We'll be back again here live on Sunday morning. Stay tuned for what's going to happen in the upcoming weeks, but no matter what happens, remember, just as God remembered Noah, he's going to remember you. Amen. Hey everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King. Thank you.